release, peacefulness, contentment, connection, and, and flow. Flow is a very specific state of mind, and I'd, I'd call it an emotion for sure. I'm standing by Wrecker Lake in the Tahoe National Forest with a few friends. We're out of time and out of place for just a few minutes, watching our friends spin fire. Yellow and orange light rushes through the air, creating flaming orbits in circles, ovals, and figure eights. A figure is just visible if your eyes aren't focusing on the fire. They are moving in a rhythm of wrists and shoulders, the fire spinning, muscles holding the line, balancing tension, flow made visible in flames. Welcome to Material Feels, where we explore the intimate connection between artists and their materials. I'm your host, Katherine Monahan, and today we're going to talk about fire and the mission of the show and what you can expect for season two and some exciting news from our composer, Liz Delise. But before all that, I need to acknowledge that this podcast and much of the audio used in it is produced and recorded on Ohlone land. I'd like to honor the Ohlone people who have stewarded this land for generations. This is a moment to acknowledge that I, and perhaps you, inadvertently benefit from the colonial occupation of land and violent displacement of indigenous people. Land acknowledgement is an important step, but without action, it is hollow. Here's what this episode's land acknowledgement compels me to do, and for those of you who are also non-Indigenous and also implicated in colonialism, I invite you to join me. If you don't already know, learn the names of the tribe or tribes whose lands you occupy. Then, here are three actions I encourage you to take. Start unlearning colonial history by soaking up Indigenous-authored content. Read an Indigenous People's History of the United States by Roxanne Dunbar-Ortiz, or are you a visual learner like me, you could also purchase and screen a film by a native documentarian, such as Beyond Recognition from Underexposed Films. You can access it at www.der.org. Next step, pay your dues. If you're in the Bay Area, the Shumi Land Tax is a way to support the Ohlone community's current work. If you're located elsewhere, take to Google and find a way to support local indigenous-led groups where you live. Thirdly, Continue to redistribute your money. Donate to local indigenous-owned businesses. If you're in the Bay Area, Cafe Alone in Berkeley is a great option. Or indigenous-led initiatives like Segorite Land Trust. So, spoiler alert, uh, this was supposed to be a cute little teaser, and it kind of turned into a full episode. I took a break from the show in August, and you can't tell that I'm saying break with air quotes because I never stop thinking about the podcast. During that time, I wrote about the mission of the show and decompressed from six months of producing while also holding down my day job and trying to maintain my mental health during pandemic times. I took my friend's van out and spent some time on a solo retreat. I dreamed up a second batch of episodes for season two and thought real hard about things and stuff. Am I a bro for starting my own podcast, getting a van, driving off into the sunset? I like being alone because no one was complaining about the crappy food and I didn't mind it. <laughs> Am I just another white boy chasing a dream? I mean, like, I've been kind of hungry all day, but whatever. I love being able to hear all the crickets just like when I was a kid. Letting thoughts come to me, sort of like following a river of thought. It's not like I'm just letting the thoughts pass me by necessarily. Like, I dip my toe in them, you know? Kind of like tide pools. 
and come back to them and like kind of see what's bloomed in there. I also went on a socially distanced camping trip with some friends, and I couldn't help but grab my recorder when my friend Zach began to spin fire for the group. It wasn't just the visual experience that was compelling. The sound was mesmerizing to me. I wasn't sure if I would use the tape, but I knew I wanted to hear that sound again. Fire rushing through space in coordinated, powerful, graceful movements. But I am glad I ran back to the campsite for my recorder because fire as a material, both literal and figurative, has become more relevant this year than I could have imagined. My name is Zach Tipton. I am a, um, I guess, multi-media artist. I uh, like to do music. I've been playing music for about 20 years. I also really enjoy flow arts. I guess would be under the category of performance art. Uh, it usually involves a prop. Most familiar to people would probably be juggling. Uh, aside from that, you have people who spin staffs, people who do poi, um, people who do um, something called rope dart, which is just a single weight on a really long rope. Poi, that's what you heard earlier. That whooshing sound was two weighted spheres wrapped in Kevlar, dipped in fuel, orbiting space until they snuffed themselves out. But poi doesn't have to involve fire. In fact, it, it didn't originate as a fiery dance. Uh, poi is a storytelling practice, a ritual, and a form of play originating from the Maori people, indigenous to New Zealand. Poi typically consists of round objects on strings that a person spins in rhythmic, coordinated movements to produce specific patterns and effects. Oh, and if you want to spice it up, you can set them on fire. Poi has changed over time and cropped up in different niche communities as a group dance tradition with ceremonial significance, as a form of entertainment at festivals, or as a personal practice for relaxation, exercise, and finding your flow. One of the benefits, I guess, of this art form is just it's, it's known to induce a state of flow. Flow being a state where your mind is is challenged enough to be occupied, but not so challenged that it's entirely engaged and you have enough uh, comfort to let uh, other thoughts flow through. Another beautiful thing about poi is it's a very accessible art form. You can make poi with balloons filled with rice inside of socks. And anywhere you have range of movement, you can practice there. You can learn specific moves or improvise. Zach tells me how he first got into it about 12 years ago through the rave scene. I asked him why he kept going with poi for so long. What kept him spinning? Uh, I was just enamored with the, the the geometry in it. And the it made everything seem kind of uh, beautiful. You can't do poi without putting your body in really like flamboyant and uh, loose positions. Uh, you have to like give in to everything that your body wants to do to make this move happen instantly when I recognized like how freeing and just how flow inducing, I guess this art was, it, it changed my focus at least for the next uh, few months for sure. Poi is spinning and making shapes and circles and orbs and spirals. But you, when you say geometry, what else are you referring to? Aside from spinning uh, around in a circle or spinning on what's called planes, there's uh, a wall plane, which is when it's spinning in a circle right in front of you. And um, if someone were standing in front of you, they'd be able to see that circle. Uh, whereas if you're on a... Uh, 
a side plane, for example, you're spinning it forward and the people in front of you would just kind of see a single line. Um, so there's a lot of consideration with um, those different planes that you're moving on and then also the limitations of your limbs and joints. Your limbs and joints move in very specific circles and uh, the poi are moving in very specific circles. So the whole thing is just um, figuring out how to make these different circles interact in beautiful patterns. As soon as I'd picked up poi, I think fire was, was definitely in mind. I think the first exposure uh, most people have to poi is probably fire poi. Um, if not, you know, in some sort of festival form, if you go to like a, you know, really cheesy luau where they have a fire spinner, there's, you know, a good chance that they'll have someone doing the staff, but I think poi is usually like second in line. So, uh, I automatically associate it with fire. Um, and also just, yeah. that's something that you look at and go, I want to do that. I want to swing fire around on chains. It seems like a... a great way to spend one's time. Oh my god. Yes! (laughs) Well, I feel like uh, fire at a really primal level represents danger to people. uh, Especially to us here in California. Seeing it controlled and seeing it uh, manipulated Uh, makes it less scary. Even if you're not afraid of fire consciously, there might be a, you know, just a a primal archetypal fear that I think, I think that's what makes fire exciting at any rate. And also the fire itself is just um, so alive. Uh, I think watching it dance and act in ways where you know a lot of the times you're not really even seeing the person who's spinning it you're just focused on the fire watching these fireballs um kind of creates a a suspension of disbelief and you're kind of in the presence of these little fire entities and um i think that's always good to to be able to expand the imagination and that creative part of the mind that connects us to something that's a little bit bigger or weirder outside of ourselves. There's a lot of metaphor or memory or associations people might be having too with like fire and energy and glow and... Totally, yeah. The warmth of the fire. Um, I mean, the smell of the fuel is it, it's it's like lighter flu- fluid essentially. So... I mean, I can imagine that there's so many memories that come up with the smells associated just with the fire. It's like nothing you've ever seen before if you've never seen it, but it also has these little ties that maybe pull in some other associations. As soon as I stopped hitting myself in the face with the uh, practice poi, I decided I was I was ready to at least try fire. And um, yeah, one night I went over to my friends and uh, we went out to Golden Gate Park um, found a nice spot under a, a bridge and just, uh, lit up poi and, uh, it was great. Yeah. I fortunately didn't light myself on fire or, uh, there were no major disasters. Um, and it, it was just nothing but enjoyable. What goes on in your mind while you're fire spinning? 
don't hit yourself. Don't hit yourself. Don't hit yourself. <laughs> um, honestly, a lot of that. But what's m- more interesting is how much isn't happening in my mind. Uh, it's it's a really quiet space. All all you hear is the fire rushing around you. All you hear is the fire spinning and making different like whooshes as it goes by you and. Um, every once in a while you hear someone's voice or, you know, you can kind of catch the music a little bit if it's on loud enough. You kind of go into a space where it's just you and the fire. It's really beautiful. You know, 75% of it is, is muscle memory. Once you have a, uh, a move down, it becomes entirely natural and then you get to work on combinations from there and um throwing together those movements becomes the focus once you you have them down so absolutely that's a lot of muscle memory which is why it's uh always fun to to make mistakes because you're you're surprised by them you've gotten to this movement that you're so used to and then it just like jerks you out of it once something doesn't go quite right giving a gift to be able to do it in front of people and to to get them involved in that. I think uh, humans are just naturally excited by fire. So to see it spinning around and, and being controlled, I think really does something for our, our psyche. It's not actually fire or the poi that's the material here. I think the material is the relationship between the intention of your body and the poi, kind of like the space between two magnets. That relationship is what makes the performance, the sustained flow, the collective mesmerization that connects the viewer to the experience as well. Is there anything else you want to share about this? Yeah, I I just want to let anyone know if they're interested in this, that the flow arts community is one of the most open and encouraging groups of humans I've ever encountered. Don't be afraid to try. Um, We're here to help you and uh, would love to see you bloom with it. Try it out. You don't need to invest in fancy props or start with uh, fire. You can literally put tennis balls or uh, some beans or rice in a sock and start swinging those around. It's accessible and it's so worth it. Try it. Thank you. Yeah, maybe I kind of want to try it. <laughs> I, I'm happy to help you. I actually followed up with Zach because I wanted to try it myself. Uh, it happened to be the first evening in weeks where the air quality index was below 100 in the Bay Area. I hadn't breathed in fresh air in what felt like forever, even though it was just a few weeks. The human mind is so fickle and weak. Oh, God. Anyway, when the smoke cleared that Tuesday, we tentatively opened our windows, and I felt grief and relief in equal measure. The blue sky and breathable air felt like... <laughs> this is going to sound, like, really cheesy. Um, It felt like a lover coming back, but I wasn't sure if they would stay with me. I almost didn't want to get too excited uh, because that orange day we all lived, if you're not in the Bay Area, you probably saw pictures of it. Um, I mean, and worse images from Oregon. When we woke up and it felt eerily cold and the sun never started, the birds didn't wake up, that day could come back. It, It will come back. Putting those feelings of joy and dread aside, 
I knew I needed to get outside and move my body. So I texted Zach, and with a few hours, I was in his backyard, where he was waiting with two socks, the round-weighted spheres inside. I wrapped the ends of the socks around my fingers. I held my arms out on either side of me, and I just started moving. And the weight began to carry me. The relationship between my body and the movement began to make sense. I mean, I was hitting myself now and then and, and laughing and hollering. But eventually, there were moments of rhythm. There were moments of falling in and out of time. Uh, and I am grateful for that. As I was producing this episode, millions of acres of land in the western regions of the United States were and are still burning. Fire has also been on my mind because of its connotations for destruction and rebirth. The world is on fire in more ways than one. And what are we doing about it? The beauty of the moment with the poi when Zach was spinning fire was this expression of joy and even a moment of rest when everything was still burning. Someone had found a way to dance, to express, learn a new way of being, all the while with fire at their fingertips. I feel like that's what every day is like for so many people. Uh, on fire, finding a new way to balance tension and flow, connecting our bodies to our minds and to each other. Um, and it's not all glamorous and beautiful and moments of wonderment. I mean, it is is dangerous and scary. I also had wanted to take this opportunity to talk about the fire driving material feels, why I do what I do. You might realize by now, uh, if you've been listening for a minute, this show is not actually about like fine art. Uh, and sometimes it's not even about art making. It's about honoring our connection to the material world. Materials don't lie, and that's one of the reasons I love them. We can research them, investigate them, learn about their history from hundreds of thousands of years in cultures all over the world. I believe that the practice of sitting with this information and learning from others allows us to be more whole and connected. So, in summary, I attempted to take the month off. I looked at my life goals, and I realized that the podcast is my primary partner. So... I'm back. This show is my fire and my flow. Thinking about the history of materials and envisioning a free, equitable world where each material is honored and celebrated, art making is accessible and inviting, and anyone can form a relationship with the material if they are drawn to it. Here's what you can look forward to for this next batch of episodes, amorphously referred to as season two. A focus on femmes, queers, and non-binary voices, as well as small business owners and freelancers. A batch of trippy episodes that I'm working on right now, featuring a material that makes any and all creative flow possible. My sense of time has opened up because my responsibilities or the pressures, expectations of working and having meetings and doing a million things in a given day just all, they just all fell away. It takes a lot of focus, but at the same time, it's very meditative and repetitive. It's this weird combination between focus and abstraction, I guess. There's the time I, you, anyone might spend experiencing that work. There's also an aesthetic of time where artists are using uh, the tools to chart time really as their materials. So clocks, calendars, sundials, um, processes of decay, digital technologies, something that can be manipulated. So we see artists time and time again 
especially in video work, using strategies of like repetition, rewinding, fast forwarding, pausing, recycling, um, that play with our experience of time as we come to view those works and spend our own time with them. In cases where gravity pulls light so much so that it light bends, then traveling through space becomes, um, you don't have to push to travel on a curve through space because gravity is pulling you. It's very possible in that it would actually pull you so much that it would reverse your sense of time direction. But that would probably be, you would be split into smithereens before that happened. So that's as far as I've gotten on that. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Even if you're in a spaceship? Oh yeah, the, you and the spaceship would be, would be split to smithereens. Those were clips from two episodes in the making. First, you heard Carolina Porras and Alicia Toldi, creators of Pineywood Atlas, a project that catalogs small and unconventional residencies for artists and organizers. Then, Wells Frey Smith, gallerist and creator of an interactive storytelling project called What the Fuck Is This? Check it out on Instagram. Oh, and also my dad, an eternal student of quantum physics, trying to bring me back down to earth in regards to my lifelong obsession with time travel. In addition to a handful of episodes on time as a material, we'll also be spending time with more traditional, familiar art materials like pigment, paper, and glass. I'm also excited to announce that Material Feels has an album on Spotify of all the songs Liz Delise produced for season one. Sweet, fresh cut grass, smelled it on your breath, and suddenly the world laid itself out before me. That, by the way, is a song called Sweet by Liz Delise, fronted by Material Feels co-producer and composer Elizabeth Delise. Their band was recently signed by Sherlock Records, and this month marks the release of a new collection of songs entitled Body. Here is a quote from their site. The four tracks on Body encompass Delise's journey to accept their body, to not be obsessed with it or abuse it or let others use it to define them. The themes feel imbued with new relevance in 2020, and it's as exciting to listen to Liz Delise work through them on the album as it is to think of where they'll go next. Check out Liz's new album at www.lizdelise.com or wherever you get your music. Play with fire, both literally and figuratively, and then tune into Material Feels Season 2, which is probably going to come out in January because everything's crazy and everything takes longer than you think. Material Feels is produced by me, your host, Catherine Monahan. Assistant producer Liz Delise composes original music for the show as well and does a ton of audio mixing. This episode features sounds from www.freesound.org. Here's how you can support it. Subscribe. Review the show on iTunes. Follow Material Feels on Instagram. Get other people to listen. Like, share the show. Just share it. Just, just tell your aunt or your cousin or your best friend or that person that you kind of don't talk to anymore from college but like you think might like it because they did woodworking that one time just email them if you love the show email three people thank you also like money is good too you can donate to our patreon or send money directly to me if you know me bye 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 babies bye 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 i'll see you in january i'm so hot in this closet right now i did too good of a job of soundproofing and now i'm sweaty goodbye